0: Hi, I'm Cassie, host of the Curiosity Junkie podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button to follow us and receive new episodes each week. If you really enjoy the podcast and you're feeling generous, please hit the donate button. We work hard to create original content and keep the podcast ad free. Today's guest has a master's in family therapy. She also became certified as a sex therapist and as a sex supervisor of sex therapy. Please welcome Paula Leach to the show. Hi, Paula. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello. It's great to be back. Yes. I am uh, once again excited to have you on. We are going to just jump in and talk about kink and fetish. I guess the first question is, is there a difference between kink and fetish?
1: Fetish, like fetishism falls under the umbrella of kink. So, so kink is a big, huge umbrella term. So um, kink basically encompasses any behaviors, um, lifestyle sort of relationship arrangements. Um, So it includes like non-monogamy, includes BDSM. It's anything that's not mainstream, basically, Uh, that we don't consider mainstream or like vanilla sex. Right. falls under the kink category and fetish fetishism and fetishes fall under that umbrella because it's something that we don't typically consider to be quote unquote normal or standard practice when it right. comes to sex and sexual activity.
0: Aha okay. Well, that makes sense. So
1: in a way they're similar. Okay. Yeah. So, so, you know, so fetish um, is, you know, desire or arousal that's linked to be, um, you know, objects or materials like leather or clothing or um, body parts, types of people, types of bodies, you know, can be, you know, it's arousal that's linked to those things. It's not necessary for some folks, that means that like, um, I need these things to be, to become aroused or for my sexual excitement. And for other folks, it's like, no, it's just something that, you know, enhances the experience for me, but I don't need it necessarily. Right. Uh Okay, okay.
0: Because, yeah, I've heard people say, you know, they have a foot fetish or
1: whatever. Yes, Yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's, you know, um, arousal that's linked to the feet, arousal and desire and excitement that's linked to the feet. Um, And so feet are incorporated in sex play. And again, for some folks, I have to have feet as part of the experience in order to be turned on. For other folks, it's like, I really like having feet as part of the experience to be turned on, but I have more to my repertoire here that I can, that, that turns me on, that excites me.
0: Okay. So can a fetish, can it be non-sex related? Can you just have a fetish? Like you get obsessed about a thing or is it almost always connected to a sexual, like a
1: a turn on? Um, So that's an interesting question. So um, in my practice, I work a lot with, um, it's called ABDL or adult baby diaper lovers. Yes. Right. And so, in in that circumstance, sometimes it's erotic and sexual in nature, and other times it's not. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, so I think you could consider that to be a fetish, but like a non sexual kind of a fetish. I think you could consider that. Um, Because again, sometimes it's erotic, sometimes a lot of arousal comes from that experience, and other times it's not about that at all. It's just about, you know, comfort at the end of the day or feeling um, vulnerable or feeling nurtured by your partner, you know, it could mean all kinds of different things. Um, And so, yeah, I think a lot of different things can be, um, we just group them under the category of like being sexual in nature because they you know, look like that on the surface, but it's not always about that.
0: Right, okay, well, that's kind of cool too, interesting. Um, How would one go, let's say you're curious about a kink or a fetish, how does one go about discovering it safely So or exploring it? Maybe that's a better word.
1: <laughs> yes. So, you know, always I encourage people to seek out resources. There's a lot out there mm-hmm. on kink and fetishism and how to incorporate this um, elements of whatever your kink or your fetish may be into your life and how to negotiate that with your partner and how to kind of explore the kink world and the kink community safely um, because there's, you know, there's such a wide variety of experience here and there's such a wide variety of play that people engage with that, um, you know, if it's something like, Oh, I want to, I want to try out spanking, you know, that is very different than like, I want to try out BDSM in a dungeon type of environment, you know, or I'm walking into something that is completely new to me. It's nice to go in with a little bit of like an understanding and in the, in the kink community, um, it's like if you go on to sites like FetLife, FetLife is like Facebook for kinky people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cool. And so they host, you know, you can you can learn about different kinds of kinks and you can also attend what are called munches. and those are like basically you meet up at a coffee shop or like, you know, like a cafe or something with other kinky people and you kind of just talk about, the experience and you meet one another. And it's kind of like a little networking experience, but you can also learn a lot about what you're getting into potentially that way, which is really cool. Um, So there are different avenues, but definitely like there's a ton out there for folks to really sort of dive into. There's really great books that are like kink Mm. basic, you know, Uh, kink 101, that'll really give you a really great introduction into what this world is and how to navigate it safely for yourself um, and in your relationship. Or relationships
0: oh, that's cool I had no idea and I, I don't know why I didn't think about yeah there would be a ton of books on it I mean any topic out <laughs> there's always a good book
1: on it do you have like um when you recommend or yeah yeah. so there's um there's one out uh, called playing well with others that's a really really great book it is um, jam-packed full of information Like just jam-packed full of information um, from cover to cover. So that's a really, really great one. Um, and then, yeah, there's just so many more out there, but that's my kind of go-to one that I, I like for myself and for, um, my clients who are interested in, in reading up a little bit. Um, it's like I said, it's dense, it's full of information, but full of really, really great stuff. And it's really approachable, you know, so anybody can open this up and not feel intimidated by it, which is so hugely important because a lot of the folks that I work with, I often see, um couples who are bringing their partner in because they've really come into like oh my kink or my fetishes i'm i'm understanding are okay and are normal and i don't need to hide this or be ashamed and actually because of that um, i'm feeling a level of freedom around this and i'd like to explore this with my partner and so oftentimes the other partner's going i don't know what this means i don't know what this is i'm kind of freaked out by it Um, and that book is a really great one uh, for both folks, because it has it's comprehensive, um, and it's got so much in it that that mm-hmm. someone who's already kind of kinky can benefit from it, and then folks who are completely out of the world and um, brand new to this these ideas and this experience um, yeah. can approach it as well and feel like they're really you know being met where they're at.
0: Right. Yeah. Because that was one thing as I was thinking about this topic, I was thinking I would imagine. It's difficult to maybe try to ignore a fetish or a kink because you feel it's abnormal. I hate that word normal and what's not normal but um, but society says this is what it is and so you're trying not to acknowledge it and then you maybe you do come to where you're like, okay, I need to address this with my partner and I think how do you even start that conversation?
1: Yeah. You know, um, because you're absolutely right. A lot of, again, a lot of the folks that I see have known about this within themselves for a very long time, discovered it very early on. A lot of folks can trace it back even sometimes to childhood, which is really interesting um, and have really awful stories about how burdened they felt by it, how wrong they felt because of it. And, um, and sometimes really extreme versions of like, Oh, I felt like I was perverted or bad or, you know, perverted, such a bad word anyways, but like, you know, um, I really worried that there was something deeply wrong with me because of this thing and that I was never going to be, you know, accepted by anyone if I revealed it, you know, so a lot of people have really heavy stories to tell about it. Um, and so, so, you know, again, oftentimes, like, having exposure to, you know, this is the wonderful thing that the internet has done for us is like, it's really allowed us to see that, oh, wow, there are, one, there are whole communities out there, hundreds of thousands, millions of people that have these same kinds of interests, and that's okay, and that can be incredibly so liberating. And I, so again, oftentimes, by the time they get to the point where they're, you know, okay, I want to talk to my partner about it, there, there's either... A lot of fear or a lot of enthusiasm obviously there's exceptions to that but this is what i see a lot of the time it's oh my gosh now i understand that this is okay i can bring this to my relationship i could potentially explore this in my relationship this is amazing right or oh my gosh what's going to happen am i going to lose my partner because of this um so it can be incredibly challenging and it's one thing if you know there's such a spectrum here so that situation is fairly extreme The other end of the spectrum is I'm kind of curious about, you know, incorporating certain things into our sex life that, you know, have just kind of come up as, as interesting to me, or that I've always been kind of interested in, but like, haven't been hugely important things in my life that I've carried with me as like a source of anxiety or stress. Like, oh, I'd kind of like for you to rough house with me a little, or I'd kind of like to role play, You know, I want to put on the heels and get the like leather, you know, I I want to get the whip out and, and really show you who's boss. Like, I'm kind of interested in that. Like, that's a very different conversation where it's like, these are things that I'm curious about. Are you, are you curious about them too? Do you have things that you're curious about at this point in our sex life and in our relationship? Very different conversation than, you know, look, I really am into littles, which is another sort of fetish within the community, which is when your partner dresses up as a younger person and there's that kind of a role play, which is very different, right? From pedophilia, right? Right. This is like a very big thing that people have a hard time understanding is like having your adult partner dress as a younger person. You are aware that that is an adult in younger clothing, you know, and acting as a child or an infant versus an actual child or infant. That power dynamic is what we're playing with here. And it's always about power stuff, right? Right. But still these are really, because we don't talk about this stuff openly, again, um, these are very misunderstood. And so that one in particular tends to be really, really sticky in therapy because it's understandable that people would make that link. Mm -hmm. And what does this mean if we try to have children you know, are are our children safer? You know, these kinds of questions come up. So sometimes, so depending on what the kink is, um, the extent of what this kink represents for the person that sort of owns it. Um, these conversations can be really tough to bridge or a matter of like, Hey, I'm curious. I've, I've, And, you know, this is a part of me that I'm interested in and I'd like to potentially bring this into our sex life. What do you think about that? You know?
0: Yes. Yeah. And you were, when you said power stuff, like it's always about power. I was thinking about the BDSM and, and that, and to me, that's, that's when you're talking about power, but I'm like, yeah, as you said that, I hadn't really connected that, but it is, isn't it? Ultimately.
1: It is, you know, in, um if you really zoom in, if you really, really zoom in, are we ever not playing with power ever, you know? Are we ever not playing with power? There tends to be a more active partner in the bedroom and a more passive partner. There tends to be a more dominant partner and a more submissive partner. If we're both submissive, we've got an issue. If we're both dominant, we've got an issue, you know? Um, and so there tends to be kind of power exchange and play it's part of the dynamic. We can't really erase it. We can we can trade it back and forth so that it kind of levels the playing field overall and the you know the arc of the experience. But um, but it's always there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that
0: uh, that was great. That just
1: like boom hit me and I'm like yeah.
0: that makes complete sense.
1: Yeah. yeah, and that that's that's um that's the reality in in relationships too, right? Like we talk about um you know, equality in relationships, which is a good thing to aim for, but that still means qu- equality overall in the measure, like, okay, if we look at the day, here's the things that, you know, you tend to have more control over. Here are the things I tend to, here's where I tend to have more power in the relationship. Here's where you tend to have, so here's how we pass it back and forth. And it's, and so at the end of the day and, and some game, are we kind of on a level playing field here? You know,
0: oh, I love that. That is a great way to look at it. And as you were saying that, I was thinking, is that a conversation that is important to have within a relationship or is it just kind of a mutual understanding? You get to where you, you know this is what you're good at, so you're going to lead there. This is where my strengths lie, so I'm going to lead here. And like you said, at the end of the day, it all balances out. Or do we need to have a conversation <laughs> around it?
1: Yeah. You know, I think both and, right. I think, um, when we come into relationships, we fall into process, um, and we kind of do so naturally, but I think it's really important that along the way we're going, wait, are we, like, are we cool with this? Is this okay? You know, um, are you feeling like you're ultimately on equal footing to me in this way? Here are the things that I would like to have more say over here, are the things that I'd like to pass off to you, or, you know, I think it's, And this is why, you know, we talk about how I'm such a huge advocate for therapy across the board and couples therapy, relationship therapy in general is like, you know, we, we want to keep an eye on this stuff so that we aren't going, oh my gosh, we've been doing this same thing for 10 15 20 years and i've never really liked that and i've never felt okay with it and now i'm very very resentful towards you and now there's all this distance but how do we change this now that it's so deeply entrenched we can oh we always can which is the wonderful thing about relationships is we always can but it might it's likely going to be more challenging because systems always fight for sameness they always default back to sameness which is why we find you know that we have to practice, 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 because um, it's one thing to say, I'm going to do this differently, which is, you know, why partners get so frustrated. It's like, oh, well, we talked about this and then they changed for two weeks and then they're back to the, you know, uh, because we ultimately just default back to the homeostasis, the sameness, the systems fight for that. So we have to have change that we truly want to make over time has to be front of mind always, you know, front of mind. So we're constantly working to keep this change in place. And then as we practice, 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 practice that over, not just weeks, months, years, um, it starts to feel organic. And then we settle into that new system, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. And it's, to me, it's just fascinating relationships or, are- amazingly interesting. No two are the same. It's, it's just uh,
1: fascinating. (laughs) It is. It's so fascinating. It's so fascinating. There's so much magic that happens so much that's going on behind the scenes. So much of our, like, I mean, every, every aspect of our lives leading up that's contributing to the dynamic and parts of us that are need are like in need of healing and how we self actualize in relationships. It's it's incredible. And, um, you know, and I think sex is incredible in that way too, because we work so much out there as well, which is why, you know, we have different kinks and fetishes and likes and dislikes and things we want to explore and we want to try on. And, um, I think that a lot of us have forgotten that sex is about play as well. We take it so seriously. I think we treat it very seriously as a culture and, um, and this is fantasy fantasy. Right, it's it's where we get to let go, and letting go means stepping into a more playful, imaginative place. Sometimes, sometimes it is very intense and serious, and that's great. But it can be all of these things, which is what's so spectacular about it. And so, a lot of kink is a lot about play and allowing ourselves to do that and have fun with one another and enjoy our bodies and enjoy pleasure and enjoy the high. Um, and what's wrong with that if it's in a um, safe, consensual setting? Right. right.
0: Absolutely. I, I think it's, um. I love the word play because that's a great way to think of it. Like explore something new, fun, different to yeah. kind of spice up the bedroom again. <laughs> well, when you were talking earlier about, where we are talking about the fetish and how some people can kind of connect it back to childhood. I was thinking, is that, is there like a reason a fetish kicks in for someone is it connected usually to an experience or a moment where either a young man or a woman saw something and it aroused them and from that moment on you're just like connecting those two pieces is
1: that yeah um you- yes yes and it's mysterious as as everything right yes and it's it's mysterious so absolutely I think we had talked uh, in a previous conversation about you know classical condi- conditioning and that association. And I even watch it now with like my kiddos where they do something one time and then that's like, that's what I do now. That's what I do every time. If I wake up at 4.30 in the morning, I'm going to be waking up at 4.30 <laughs> in the morning for the next five weeks. You know, um, it's incredible how we really pick these things up and how quickly we form associations. And so absolutely you hear a lot of stories of, you know, I was in my mother's, Um, bedroom and was laying up against her, her silk nighty and had these feelings and had my, you know, first orgasm and and my mom's nighty was there as part of the experience. And now this is what I'm associating this material or negligee in this way or whatever is part of my arousal template. Now, now it's been folded in. Um, And so absolutely we hear stories like that. Or even just experiences from childhood where you know I've had people talk about like oh yeah I remember just um from a really young age the the little girl next door would play in her diapers in the backyard and I thought she was so pretty and I would you know and I was I was really young too I was like six or seven but I remember just like being so curious about her and this you know and so from then on I remember just having an interest in diapers and you know and so Mm -hmm. that's one example of many origin stories around this particular fetish right but like it's absolutely those like associations where I'm having a a feeling and this feeling is being paired with this object with this experience with this whatever and now these two things are connected for me and I want to have this feeling again so I need to seek this thing out again. So those pleasant feelings I was having are associated with that little girl who's running around her backyard in her diaper. I'm six years old. I'm looking out the window again to have those feelings. You know, we just seek out the, these things that bring up, you know, if we're good, if, you know, if it's pleasurable, I'm going to seek it out and I'm going to seek it out repeatedly. And the more I seek that out, then the more sort of like, you know, um, yeah
0: conditioning happens yes yeah
1: exactly reinforced it's just reinforced over and over again and now this is an important part of my erotic template right
0: and one thing i want to touch on is they're again getting away from the shame of the kink and fetish that we can talk about it more openly and with an open mind and and just be open to learning about it i always think just stay curious we could just stay curious and ask questions and and find out more information about it. Um, I think there are some shows on TV. I don't watch a lot of TV these days, but um, I think I remember seeing something or hearing something about like an actual documentary on like a a regular series on fetishes and people Mm -hmm. who have different fetishes and the connection to it and, yeah. And I thought, oh, that would be kind of interesting to watch to kind of open the mind to different, different experiences, yeah. and how people
1: attached to things. Well, if you think about it, um, we all do it to a certain extent. Yeah. We all do it to a certain extent. You know what we hear about that. So shocking or like, you know, oftentimes really extreme versions of it, but we all do it to a certain extent, like, Oh, you know, when we talk about like a type, you know, I really like, you know, a uh, tall, dark and handsome, like we've fetishized certain features of a person. And now this is, you know, something that, Oh, you know, I had, again, I had really, you know, I had some hot feelings around this person that I saw. And now I've, you know, these traits are, are qualities that I look for, you know, so we all do it to a certain extent and, and we all, um, objectify folks. Initially, that's what attraction is about. It's like, I don't know you, but this is what I'm seeing of who you are. I'm objectifying you. And then I get to know you deeper. And this transforms and evolves into something different. But that's an initial part of the experience. So again, these have become bad words, because they can be, right, like, objectifying someone, the way that we use it is the extreme version. And that is, you know, obviously, um something that we want to stay away from and that we want to like work on and with. Um, but in these other circumstances, attraction, you know, initially is built on um that foundation of like kind of well, you know, I see what's an object and then I dig in deeper. Right. Um, yeah. So so we all kind of fetishize things to a certain extent. We all kind of objectify to a certain extent, and then we work to move away from the objectification, but the fetishism can stay with us for our lives, for our whole lives, right? And this is the thing with fetishes and, um, and kinks, you know, real, you know real tr- the kind that, we, that I sort of see in therapy and the kind the, um, of fetishes and kinks that people um, maybe are bothered by or don't want to have in their lives, we can't get rid of them. They're not, not something that we can rewrite or get rid of, Um, but we can work to understand them in a different way. And we can work to interact with them in a different way. And oftentimes because someone has picked up a kink or a fetish um, at a certain point in their life, often a a bit younger and have internalized ideas that it's like wrong or bad or freaky or whatever it is. um, Whenever we feel like there's something um, like wrong, with something that we're interested in or with parts of who we are, um, we kind of, um, well, we get anxious about it, right. Mm -hmm. And when we get anxious about it. We're often trying to make sense of it often. So it becomes kind of like, um, oftentimes it becomes a little bit of like an obsession for that person or like, Oh, this is part of my desire. And like, and, and over time, I'm, you know, as I'm trying to make sense of it and as I'm like tangling with it, engaging with it and telling myself no, And you know when, when it comes to sex, like if we go to war with our sexuality is my favorite quotes. Like if you go to your, war with your sexuality, you will lose. If you yeah. tell yourself, no, I'm not allowed to think that, I'm not allowed to feel those feelings, they're going to sort of scream louder at you. Mm-hmm. Um, so as that happens, um, it kind of becomes the center of your sexuality, or rather, it disguises itself as the center of your sexuality, the organizing me- mechanism of you know who you are sexually, and we are just not that simple. It's never that simple, right? Of like, oh, I have to have someone, for example, like um, you know, again, the kind of age play thing is a common one, and and again, for a lot of folks, we don't understand what that means, and we don't understand, you know, um, for the for the person with the kink themselves. It's like, oh, is this bad? Is this wrong? Um, and so again, I get I get kind of anxious about that idea. So it gets wrapped in anxiety. And so then I'm spending a lot of time ruminating over it, kind of obsessing about it because it, it, I don't want to feel wrong or, um, you know, like I'm not normal, quote unquote, you know, yeah. different. Um, and so then again, it becomes something where it's like, well, now this is is this all I have to have this thing? Cause this is all I've focused on for all these years. <laughs> I've missed all the nuance, right? I've missed all of the things of the other aspects of my sexuality, because I've been so hyper-focused on this thing for yeah. very, very good reason, trying to work it out, trying to make sense of it, trying to figure out how to incorporate it, co- incorporate it into my life, trying to find other folks with the same kinds of interests. Right. And so a lot of the work also of therapy is then, um, A, normalizing, you know, it's a lot of normalizing. Like, yeah, people have all kinds of different things that turn them on and how can we embrace that? Again, as long as it's safe and consensual, um, not harming anyone, uh, then how can we normalize that as an aspect of fantasy and play? Um, And then how can we, from that place, giving yourself permission, how can we then work to understand the other aspects of our sexuality and get to know them and make contact with them in a greater way so that this thing isn't the, the organizing principle. So it's one of many things that potentially I enjoy and that I can incorporate into my sex life on my own and with partners. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, that's cool. I like that. What, um, let's talk a little bit about what are some of the common kink? Um, I don't even know what they are. Play. What's some common
1: well you know um swinging non you know swinging is kinky um Mm -hmm. some folks consider like non-monogamy kind of kinky um even though it's become you know increasingly commonplace because it's on the margin still um some folks consider non-monogamy kinky um bdsm is kinky um role play can be considered kinky um cuckolding which is a like complex dynamic where like the you know it's typically in like a cis heterosexual relationship where the like husband is watching his wife be intimate with another man okay yeah, yeah. Um, um, huh cuckolding okay cuckolding yeah um gosh you know people pain play sensory play um, people incorporate like rope is considered kinky and kind of a fetish. So people kind of like bind one another with rope. Um, gosh, there's so, there's so, so many, right. <laughs> yeah. some, right. It's, not, it's really, it's really fun to every year. I try to attend. It's called the fetish Flea and it's in Rhode Island and I try to attend, um, it's just amazing to see like the different how creative we can get with our sexuality and the different things that people can can get into and share with one another um you know the the dom sub dynamic can be taken to an extreme you know where there's like a dom sub dynamic that's happening um like whereas there's like almost like a master-slave dynamic happening um and that can be in certain circumstances or can, you can have like a 24-7 dom-sub dynamic happening that's kinky. You know, there's all there's all kinds of ways that we can get oh, kinky. Yeah. And, okay. yeah,
0: yeah. and when you say master and slave, you know, I, I just want to remind everyone that this is happening between two consenting adults. Two
1: consenting adults. What we're
0: talking right. about.
1: That's and right.
0: They've agreed that they both desire this play in their life, either... Part-time. It's negotiated.
1: Whatever. All of it is negotiated. Every, right. every aspect of it. And this is what we can learn from the kink community is the kink community is really great at negotiating what the rules and the boundaries are and how to take care of one another, right? Like this is what the kink community is fantastic at that a lot of, you know, us more vanilla um, folks just don't even consider. It's just, right. Oh, well, this is just how sex goes. Right. So
0: have
1: it and then move on, have it move on. Exactly. And so, yeah, these like dom sub dynamics at the extreme are these are two willing people coming into these roles, negotiating what that looks like, negotiating how and when the other person can know when they need to stop or what the edges are. And and then again, how to take care of of one another. Um, So it's every aspect of it is discussed, um, which may which also creates like assures a level, I mean, we can never really assure, but it helps to create an extra layer of safety in this, we're not feeling around blindly. um, Because all of us, to some extent, have trauma histories and challenging experiences around our sexuality. And so we need to understand, like, if I'm going to enter into a situation where there's going to be like pain play, Mm -hmm. you know, when, how do you know when I am truly uncomfortable? How do you know when I truly need to stop? If no is a word that we use in a sexy way, what other word can we use, right? So all of it is negotiated, all of it's incredibly consensual. Um, otherwise, the kink community has a really great way of sort of identifying, weeding out those that are not um, game in that way.
0: Ah, no, I think that's, wonderful. And I go, gosh, we could learn a lot just from understanding how that whole thing works yeah. in the vanilla side of it.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I mean, you know, um, like we talked about before, how often are we like, oh gosh, my partner just like, you know, this, my partner just pet my back. They want to have sex later. You know, rather than, okay, you just put my back, like you, are you game for something? I'm feeling in the mood for ABC. That's all I'm really feeling in the mood for. What about you? And then negotiating what we're going to be doing potentially. Um, and then knowing the boundaries and knowing the parameters frees us up to not have to worry about it going anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And so we can just really enjoy the experience. You know, we can just be really present at that experience unless we both agree to take it somewhere else.
0: Yeah. No, that's, it's just, I, I love all of this. Um, and uh, I have a girlfriend that was at a a conference once and um, she said it ended up being at the same time as a furry um, conference or whatever that is. And she said it was so fascinating and they were so wonderful. They would just talk and share like what this was about for them. And it was different for different people and why they were doing it. But she was like, yeah, it was crazy to her, you know, but yep. she was curious and she was like, I'm going to find out what this is all about. So she asked a lot of questions and yeah, she said it was absolutely fascinating. Well,
1: a great example of how it can be sexual and it can be not at all connected to that, you know, and that's a, the, the furry community. You've absolutely, you've got folks that, you know, Um, this is something that they do, and it's a turn on, and it's sexual, and others that this is not about that at all. And this is about completely different elements of life and play and fantasy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which is so cool.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought, too. And it's another great example. And like she said, it was organized. There was, you know, there's a Um, a right way to do everything, how to connect, how to send a signal that you're into this or that within that community, it was all very well understood between all the players. So I thought,
1: Uh, gosh, and that's, and that's the thing again, that I, you know, that I really think we can take from, from the kink community is I, I just think that um, it is, super apparent in our culture that we suck at boundaries really badly. Oh, <laughs> that we, that we suck at boundaries really, really badly that we do really, really poorly with them. And the kink community um, has really, I mean, it is all about boundaries. It is all about boundaries and respecting each other's boundaries and exercising safe boundaries and and being cool with and even appreciating and welcoming the no, whatever that might look like, you know, and, and um, And again, you know, on the other end, um, with this idea that like, well, we just don't talk about sex, we just do it. Mm -hmm. um, We've gotten very, very confused. We've gotten very confused and we misinterpret all over the place. Um, And it's led to a lot of, it's led to a whole lot of harm. So.
0: And I think that's a great place to go back to. Therapy is a wonderful tool to help with communication, boundaries, like so many things within all of the relationships not just male female or couple relationships it's it's bigger and deeper than that so what's a great way for people to connect with you and follow you i know you've got some great stuff on social media because that's how i found you
1: (laughs) so i have an instagram it's it's primarily for folks that are therapists who are trying to become sex therapists but there's interesting stuff for everybody you get out there Um, so that's at paula leach therapy l-e-e-c-h therapy and um and then i have a website it's paula leach.com and it's mostly about um the work that i do again training therapists but um it's got some of like the workshops that i do on there and stuff so you know folks can reach out to me and connect to me with me there and yeah shoot me an email i'm always around i'm happy to answer questions always so
0: all right fantastic Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. We've had three really great conversations. I've learned so much. It's been fascinating.
1: Well, thank you so much. And I'm always happy to come back. I'm always around. So give me a shout.
0: Yeah, definitely. I will. I'll be picking your brain again. Thank you. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, thank you to everyone out there for tuning in, listening, watching. Stay safe. And I will see you next week. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button to follow us and receive new episodes each week. If you really enjoy the podcast and you're feeling generous, please hit the donate button. We work hard to create original content and keep the podcast ad-free.